the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's righteousness is a living, breathing person who died for us, who will live forever as our great high priest. And God is not looking for a better reason to save you and me than Jesus. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart is the conclusion to the Kingdom Confession. We started this broadcast the last time we were together. We'll complete it now. We appreciate you listening, and don't forget that you can find this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com, The Kingdom Confession. Here's Pastor Michael Oxentenko. At the Council of Trent in the 16th century, every pastor ought to read those canons of the Council of Trent. I've read every one of them. The Roman church claimed that you're accepted by God and justified only after you have a change in your life. You hear me? They said, when you get sanctified is when you're justified. The reformers taught from Scripture. They denied this. They taught from Scripture that you are accepted by God through faith alone. Sola fide, by grace alone. And that God looks upon you at the very moment you accept Christ with brokenness of heart. At the conversion moment when the Holy Spirit regenerates you. When you realize that Jesus is your Savior and you come to Him. At that moment, you are accepted with all your flaws, with all your struggles, and thus you can grow in Christ. Thus you are a child of God by faith at the very moment of faith in Jesus as your Savior. So you're God's children now, John says, and let God make you what you are. The Reformers went to the flames and they died horrible deaths for this amazing truth of the apostolic gospel that set them free from the fear of the judgment day. John Wesley was coming back. The great Methodist preacher John Wesley was coming back from America as an unconverted preacher. He had started the Holy Club when he was in school and he was anything but holy. Historians think he had an affair here in America. And so he was coming home, rejected, messed up, have his life ruined. On that boat that he was traveling back to England with, he saw Moravian missionaries facing down the storm at sea, a storm that threatened to sink the boat. And there was no fear of death in them because of the apostolic gospel. He saw them seen at sea when death seemed so near. They sang through the fear and the storm with joy on their faces. The sacred hymns of the church, they sang. When he got back to England in one piece, John Wesley searched for a company of Moravian believers where he finally slipped into one at night. And there were sacred hymns they were singing. He heard these sincere men and women reading from the Book of Romans and then from the preface of Martin Luther's commentary on the Book of Romans, which describes the experience of righteousness and justification by faith. And that's a preface that is worthy to be read by every single Christian. 
And there John Wesley, who had tried all his life to prove himself to God, tried all his life to climb up to God, there John Wesley, who was a part of the Holy Club yet had messed up in America so badly, came as a broken sinner into that little prayer meeting and he heard the gospel of God that needs no proof beyond Jesus. And of that night, Wesley said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. He glorified that God would save John Wesley, that God would atone for the sins of John Wesley, that a preacher who had messed up so badly could in fact be saved by grace, and that God would do for him what he had done for so many others. The power of God to forgive, friend, is the same power that changes the heart and sets the sinner free for life. Wesley became a changed man, unshackled from guilt and fear. John Wesley, in fact, was a short man. He'd stand in a little soapbox. He was banned from the pulpits of England, so he said, the world is my parish, and he would stand in the streets and preach. John Wesley is famous for the Christian doctrine of sanctification that many reformers had neglected in the Reformation up to that point in time. But John Wesley understood correctly with the reformers that true Bible sanctification is not the gospel itself. It's the fruit of the gospel. It's the result of the acceptance that comes because you're in Christ. And so when he got it right, his preaching was empowered. Sanctification became real. Lives were really changed. You see, righteousness is not something we achieve, as the Roman Catholic Church had said of the Middle Ages. Righteousness is someone we receive by faith as the Reformers had discovered from the Bible in the 16th century. And Wesley discovered that. In fact, he affirmed very strongly John Calvin's treatise, Volume 3, those three famous chapters of Righteousness by Faith, again, that is good for every single Christian to read today. God's righteousness is Jesus, who was so desperately needed at that time in his life. And Wesley discovered that when we receive Jesus by faith, a heart can be strangely warmed. So Wesley preached Jesus and the cross of Christ all over England to prisoners, to paupers, to orphans, to rich and poor alike. He was not ashamed of the cross of Christ. In the streets of England, the response was amazing. Men and women, poor folk who had had all this pent-up stuff in them from who knows what, fell down and wept in the streets. They began to writhe with holy relief that Jesus saves, Jesus saves And all that stuff came out. It was cathartic, Christian cathartic therapy because the gospel was being preached. And so England was saved and transformed by the gospel that John Wesley preached. Wesley went out from that Moravian prayer meeting as a changed man to win one million people to Jesus Christ in his personal lifetime. He was the greatest preacher since the Apostle Paul. And I would challenge you to read the chapter written of him in the book, The Great Controversy. God used John Wesley to prevent a revolution in England like the one that almost destroyed France. He was the salt of the earth. Friend, we need a John Wesley in the United States of America today, don't we? We need a John Wesley in the world who will rise up, a movement that is John Wesley, who will lift up the cross of Christ and the Word of God and will bring Jesus back to those dear hearts and souls that need the true gospel. But when you read the story of John Wesley... You also know that he struggled at times with his own acceptance before God after his conversion. There were many times he didn't feel saved. Have you ever felt that way? There's a few of you. You ever felt like, maybe I'm not saved? He felt that even after this great change of heart. 
when he came to die as an old man, the pure light of the gospel burst from the lips of this gospel preacher who lived for others. And as he was dying, he says, God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. You don't need any more than that, friend. That should be our cry in the kingdom of confession as Christians every day of our life. God is with us. Galatians 6, 14, Paul wrote, But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, who are the perfect people in God's eyes? I want to ask that question today. Are they the ones who say they are perfect, who strive for perfection as the focus of their life and who boast of their progress to Christians on the way, who even look perfect and it kind of has its own genre? No, they are not. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Christ. The Bible teaches that we can grow into true Christian perfection, that is maturity, when we realize that we're imperfect and we rely on Christ. But the minute you think you are, you can't be mature and perfect. So we grow and so we know that we need Jesus and thus we are accepted as mature. But no time can we ever boast that we are perfect on this road Until Jesus comes, we will always have to look at the cross. And friend, I can't imagine somebody at the end of time looking to Christ as their Savior at that cross and Jesus turning them away because some perfectionist says there's some detail of their life that isn't flawless. Who cares? Jesus died for that soul. If that soul is in Christ and that soul is leading in Christ, Christ makes that call, no one else. Perfection is God's business and it's God's call when he sees it in us. But if you should begin to think the thought of how perfect you are right now or how you're getting there, you have just entered the dangerous road of the Pharisees and the narcissists. And it's a road that will lead you away from Christ. Friend, there is no heaven on a self-righteous road. There is none. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 15, 2, that Jesus died for our sins as the most important truth of the apostolic gospel. My sins needed someone to die for. He did. The Bible teaches in the apostolic gospel of God that Jesus was buried and that he took our sins into the grave as our substitute. One man died for every man and woman, the Bible says. And that Jesus was raised on the third day, as Paul says in Romans 4.25, for our justification, our legal acquittal, our acceptance with God. And so we stand before God because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ accepted in Christ. Worship becomes glad. Religion becomes fun. And joy is found with a kick in the feet. If you have Christ and you understand that you're accepted. But if you don't think you are, it's slogging it. It's a burden. Friend, for freedom Christ has set us free, the Apostle Paul says. Hebrews 10.19. Take your Bibles and turn. We have a couple more passages here. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus. You come to God with one argument only, the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by the new and living way which he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, what do we do? Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart, not a lying perfectionist heart, a true heart that faces the facts that we got issues. 
in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's the blood of Christ that makes us right to stand before God. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. The kingdom confession, friend, without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You see, when you come to Christ, when you're in Christ, when you're not worrying about proving something to God, is when you can really love other people and live for them. Because it's no longer about you, it's about really loving others. The story of Mrs. Halleck in my life is huge. And I'm going to take a minute to just tell it to you. My dad had died. I was at Fletcher Academy. I was virtually an orphan. My mother was unable to take care of me. I was in a school where the bills were mounting, unable to get my way through. He had died about two months earlier. The winter was coming and I was working to buy Spirit of Prophecy books so I could learn more about the faith that I was exposed to. I would go to work in t-shirts in the middle of the late fall, moving toward winter. And when this wonderful lady, Mrs. Aline Halleck, former administrator in Broadview Academy, her husband was a scientist and a science teacher and world-famous photographer for Walt Disney. They had retired in that area. No children. She watched the school defying children like me kids who were in real trouble and didn't know where they would go. So one day she called the dorm and says, I'd like that young boy, Mike, to come and work in my garden for me. She didn't know that we raised all our food in Appalachia. I was great at working in a garden. But I got there, and as we were working in the garden that day, something happened to me that was the most profound offer that anyone has ever given me in life. She turned to me and she says, Mike, you're a young man. I know your father died. We're old people. We're in our late 70s. We have adopted boys, not legally, but in heart. We've adopted boys throughout the years. Many have let us down, but some have stayed with us, and they're workers in the cause of God. And Mike, we have talked about this, and today I'm making an offer for Norman and myself. Would you become our son? Would you let us adopt you, and would you let us be a second set of parents for you? Pastor Michael Oxentenka will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine, We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. Today I'm making an offer for Norman and myself. Would you become our son? Would you let us adopt you? And would you let us be a second set of parents for you? What an amazing offer. I didn't know what to say, and I said, yes. Yes. Now I'm going to share with you something here. You be easy on the pastor. I didn't hear enough affirmations because it's risky. I was 15. I'd come from a place that I don't want to describe. 
And I was in a place where God had put me, and I had issues in my life, okay? She bought me a coat, a great coat. It was like Joseph's coat of many colors, except it had the ability to keep you warm in the winter. About two weeks later, someone stole that coat. One day, she noticed I didn't have the coat, and she asked me, she says, Mike, where's your coat? And I lied to her because I loved her. I says, I have the coat. I didn't want her to know that it had been stolen. I would rather be cold than make her feel that I would lost that coat. I felt bad about it. About two weeks later, I came back to her, and I said, I didn't tell you the truth because I love you. You know what she said to me? I love you. It doesn't make a difference. Of course we want you to be truthful. I understand where you were coming from. Let's grow together. Let's grow together. And thus I learned love. Unconditional love in the church that I would join. And thus I learned to grow. I had a swearing problem when I was a young boy. Anybody here ever swear? I came from a background wherever the word was words I don't want to mention. Please don't bring that to my memory. Four months later, one slipped out at academy. But I was growing. I had violence issues when I was a kid, you know. I was a part of a group of kids that were awful. And somebody stole my dad's watch and hit me in the belly with a mop as I was a janitor there. And I lost it. And I laid him out and broke his nose and put him in a backwards Nelson. He was bleeding. Then I got to my senses. What have I done? I was sure they'd kick me out of school. It was self-defense, but it was wrong. And I learned. And I grew. And, you know, for some reason, the administrator of that school knew that this boy is growing and that he was assaulted. Leave him alone on this one. In time, I became the student pastor and preacher of the academy. I went out and preached the gospel that was modeled by Mrs. Halleck. My journey with her was a long one. She stood as my parents, her and Norman stood as my parents in our wedding when we were married in Portland, Tennessee. Mom and dad became Mr. and Mrs. Norman Halleck. They saw me through college. When I came to the end of the academy that year, my bill was so high. It was like, you know, Matthew 18, a debt you couldn't pay with many lifetimes. She had a millionaire friend. She pulled me together and says, we're going to pay that debt because we believe you need to be a minister for the gospel somewhere in the future. And they paid it off. And then Norman, who had glycoma, did something amazing. He says, we've got to drive you to Southern Missionary College, it was called, so you can be a minister. I'm blind during you know, certain conditions like dark tunnels. There are three of them on I-40, but I've learned the tunnels. And so he drove us through the tunnels, three of them, boom, 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 to Southern Missionary College. They signed me up and went away. They would write me, send me love packages. But they got older and older. Then the time came when Norman died. 96 years of age, I believe. She wasn't far behind. I would go to her retirement center in Fletcher, North Carolina, and just take my place at night beside her bed because they let me in because they knew I was her son. She'd wake up at times and see her son looking at her. When we first started Reaching Hearts Ministry, almost 20 years ago, she died the year this ministry started. I did not have a chance to preach her funeral. I was in India. And as she died, I had received word of it, there was a little Catholic nun who was in a rickshaw who came to the door of the meeting. And she said, the Holy Spirit has sent me to this meeting for you. I says, why do you say that? Because I saw your picture on the brochure of this evangelistic meeting. And I was impressed to come for you. I said, what is your name? 
She says, I was told to come and pray for you. I felt that. He says, what's your name? She says, well, in Italian, my name is Mother Hope. And I made the connection that in a deepest sense, it's not who you have, it's God you have. And God connects the dots and arranges the life. So you are carried through life. And that dear, sweet Roman Catholic nun heard the gospel of God preached at that series of meetings. She accepted Christ in a deeper way because of her knowledge of the apostolic gospel. And I was refreshed in the Holy Spirit because she was open to God's leading to encourage me. Revelation 3, 4, and 5. Open your Bible. Last text of the morning. Jesus is here speaking to John in behalf of the church of Sardis. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And here is the promise. He or she understood who conquers shall be clad thus in white garments. And what does he say? And I will not blot his name out of the book of life. And what else does he say? I will confess his name before my Father and before his holy angels. Friend, when you confess Jesus Christ in your life by faith, and when you allow Christ to grow you, and you don't create a fake gospel to get to the future, you rely on the one that God gave to save you, you will have a changed life. Your robes will become white. Your life will be ordered by degree. And let's admit it, when new people come to the church, they got issues, don't they? Right? And it could be a few older ones of us have issues too at times, correct? So let's not... Look at each other wrong. As Paul says, let's not look at people from a human point of view. Let's regard them thus no longer. For if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. So when you come to Christ, friend, what will Christ do for you in the judgment day? That's what this prophecy is talking about. That pre-advent investigative judgment pictured in Daniel 7 where the books are opened. When the Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days and there your life record is open for the universe and God to see. What will he do in the most holy place, throne room of God, when your name comes up? Do you hear me? Friend, if you are in Jesus, he will stand before the law you have broken because the Ark of the Covenant is in heaven, Revelation eleven nineteen. He'll stand in the very place where Lucifer rebelled and broke that law. He will stand before his father who was offended. And there before God, Jesus will raise his nail-pierced hands and you will not be there. It is a pre-advent proxy judgment. We are here. He is there. It precedes the second coming of Christ. So you don't have to face the scrutiny of that. There your attorney stands with his hands before the Father, the wounds in his hands, the beautiful imperfections that are perfect. And he says before his Father, I died for Mike. I died for Sue. I died for Fred and Frank and Sarah too. And he will mention them by name and confess them before his father. From Abel to the end, one name at a time, he moves through history. His kingdom is formed because of the cross of Christ. Because of the power of the cross for acceptance and growth. And the one who started the work will finish it for you in that judgment day. God will accept in the kingdom every name and every person that Jesus confesses before his Holy Father. And there before God, at the Ark of the Covenant of God, in which the Ten Commandment Law of God in its first and most pure and holy form is found, God's everlasting covenant of grace will be affirmed before the universe that this one was a sinner saved by grace and that this one was born in Zion 
And because of the good confession of Jesus Christ at the cross and in the heavenly sanctuary, this one belongs to God for all eternity. God bless you in Jesus. Dear Father God, may we never, ever dare to approach you in any human rag of righteousness for any day of our lives. But Lord, may your people, humbled by the fact that they are sinners by nature and have sinned by deed at times, in the brokenness of truth, approach you with confidence because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, may it happen every day until Jesus comes back. And in that final day, may we say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. Bless the saints. Bless them today with acceptance as they have surrendered to Jesus. But bless them every day until that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that will complete the Kingdom Confession. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Don't forget you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. And thanks for listening today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.